is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. The Nimble with Numbers team presents Chalked Blot with Bo, with Bo Big Time McBrayer. I got to know what a $5 shake tastes like. That's hot. That's hot. I want winner, Bo. You don't know diddly. And his partner, Scott Stack Simpson. Do you know who I am? Trying to put Tiger Bomb on this jungle's nuts. That's cute. I remember when I had my first beer. I got to catch a glimpse of these warlocks. Let's make a move. Let's make a move. Let's make a move. Hey, you guys. Welcome back to Chalk Blocked, the world's sexiest DFS show for now. We're here live on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, now part of iRadio USA. Ooh, you're coming to you hot. That's Scotty Stacks up in the top left. Nimble W Numbers on Twitter. Then you got Jordan the Mathemagician Vanek. That's at Jordan Vanek one on Twitter. And I'm Bo McBigTime, of course, at Bo underscore McBigTime. Look at who we got here. We got ourselves the VP of Ops for Fantasy Alarm, an award-winning host on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. He's a featured writer for the New York Post. His baseball and football draft playbooks have won thousands of people money, including me. This guy is probably the most likable Jets fan in existence. And at the end of the day, when Fish, the band Fish, has its last living fan club member, it's going to be this guy, Mr. Howard Bender. What's good, Howard? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate the invite. Great to uh, get a chance to, to hang out with you. Yeah. yeah. You're coming to us from Northern California. That's that's where I'm coming to you from, just a couple hours away, looking good. Uh, it's just it's an exciting week. We have another event in the NFL. So, I mean, what, what have you been doing with the whole schedule release? Um, you know what? I've actually been praising the NFL for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, it's funny cause I'm, I'm a baseball first guy. I've always been a baseball first guy. Uh, but here I am, I find myself watching baseball, just blow it with their fan base and they're not catering to what the fans really want. And they still have that stodgy old fart mentality uh, meanwhile, what is the you know what does the NFL do? They give you the Cowboys, the most wagered upon team in the history of the NFL, against Tom Brady and the and the Bucks, and then they continue to leak other information like the Jets going to the Panthers uh, for Week One, so that Sam Darnold can throw for three twenty five, three touchdowns, and then run one in on him too, just for you know the fun of it. Right. I mean, what do they do? They give you week four. They give you Belichick versus Brady. I mean, they're doing a whole bunch of great things right here. And I'll tell you, man, I've said MLB needs to learn how to market themselves the way the NFL does. And maybe just not black out all the games that aren't sold out because none of them are sold out. That'd be a prime idea, wouldn't it? Yeah. People shouldn't have to pirate, I mean, uh, find stuff on the internet to watch their home game in their local market. That's ridiculous. Now, um, I'm so excited to have you on, Howard. I know that uh, you are like Bo's 101. And so I know Bo is going to – we're going to try to control Bo tonight. He's had a little bit to drink. I'm going sober. I got I got the uh, – I'm going with root beer so just so I can watch Bo tonight. Um, but we're excited. We're going to talk fantasy football. We're going to talk – uh, you know, Jets, Carolina, a bunch of stuff. Uh, really excited. Bo, did, did you want to drop the promo? I know that you're the promo king. Did you want to jump in with yeah. the hotbox promo? 
Yeah, so we are brought to you proudly by my pride and joy, my little baby, my my bundle, <laughs> bigtimeflavorcode.com. That's home of the world's most deliciously intense condiment. That's hot box gourmet small batch hot sauce. It's also home to It's Taco Season, and that's a taco seasoning, of course. And we have Smoke Shack Barbecue Rub, and that's Cluckin' Hot, the Nashville hot seasoning. You get all four of them in a bundle for thirty four ninety nine. And if you enter the promo code CHOCK21, you're going to get 10% off your total today. Go to BigTimeFlavorCode.com, check out all the products. You click that Viridian Global link to get the merch. You'll be hotter than everybody on your block, and you'll be tasting good too. So, yeah, that's uh, that's my spiel, paying the bills on my on both ends, burning both candles. How about you, Scott? You, you know what? Uh, I just participated in uh, an underdog best ball draft. With you, friends, right here, two two of my friends here, uh, you know the swag man Sam himself. We he did a live stream, uh, and so I love underdog fantasy. I'm in there every single day playing best ball. It's best ball season, uh, and then later on this year they're going to have a lot of great games they're introducing for NFL. Uh, pick them right now is available too. It's a game where you can uh, pick baseball, hockey, uh, and uh, basketball players. Rivals, you can head to head, and you can twenty max your money up to two thousand dollars. It is a don't great pick site. The Mets. Don't, don't, pick yeah, the don't, Mets. don't pick the Mets. Yeah, well, I, here's Mets. what I would say. Uh, yeah, I, I would always if it's Lindor, take the under for bases. I always go under if they ever offer it. It's never over for bases uh, for him. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, and do use code Nimble. Uh, we appreciate you there. And Jordan and Bo and I and my, my other friend, uh, Mike Collins, my partner, will be playing best ball every day. So just look for us out there in the mean streets. We'll be giving our money back to you. Yeah, we're addicted. So <laughs> It's bad. The addiction yeah, for underdog fantasy is so bad. Like, when, we, when you know not just who they're going to pick, but who they're going to pick in four rounds – and because you like, you can practically reach through the internet and pick their nose for them because you drafted with the same guys so many times. <laughs> it's it's out of this world because I'm finding myself drafting like a modified zero RB today, and that's not me. I didn't even know who I was. I looked in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself because after I took Derrick Henry, I went receiver, 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 and I'm like, what is going on? I'm melting away. There's no running backs left for me to take after the third round. And it, it, it's so much fun because, who knows, the one that I hate the most is probably going to be the one that wins. My team. My, my team probably. Then. Right. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, I'm sure that Howard did not come here to hear us talk about our uh, best ball drafts. Uh, <laughs> but uh, j- jump in and, uh, you know, l- let give people a little bit of the background. How did you get into Howard? And, uh, you know, w- what is something that, that uh, you know, you – uh, have been able to kind of gleam from him to make him so important uh, in your life as a fantasy fan. Well, I mean, a couple of years ago when I was I was on Twitter, but I wasn't really like I was on Twitter. Like I was just like, oh, I'm gonna follow the accounts of people that I'm interested in. And so I started following like uh, your Matthew Barry, your people like your very general ones that everybody recognized because I didn't really know anybody else. And then I started listening. I subscribed to Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio or just Sirius XM in my car, and I'm a commuter. So I'm always listening to that station. And so usually I was listening to Jeff Ratcliffe on the way to work, 
And then on my way home, I was listening to Fantasy Alarm with Howard and Jen Piacenti and Ryan Hallam and whoever was on with them. And, of course, I get to know these voices. Like, even Kyle Helfrink is like, nobody knows who that is, but I do because I listen to that station every single day. And, like, and Howard Bender is just the show I drove home from work to. And so I started following Howard a couple years ago. And it was just, it was really fun because he was doing the FF Pi bet back then in 2019 where it's like all the FA people were picking their top wide receiver and whoever scored the least amount that week got a pie in the face for charity. And it was awesome because I love charity. I'm a charitable kind of guy. You can tell me about a charity and I believe in it. I'm going to throw money that way. And that resonated with me because then I started playing along with them and I kept winning and staying alive and not getting pied for like seven, eight, ten weeks. And then I finally got, I finally got dinged. I finally got hit with a DK Metcalf in an off week in 2019 and uh, I had to pay up. I had to get a pie in the face and I recorded it. My daughter threw the pie from about four feet away, but four-year-old arm was pretty strong just nailed me across the face we posted on twitter howard retweeted it the whole fa family got to laugh at at me at my expense and laugh at my daughter's giggling victory dance because she got to pie her dad in the face um but that's that's kind of thing like howard is he's the face of fantasy alarm and he's also a recognizable voice on that radio station and so for me it was just it was easy to be a fan Awesome. Howard, how did you come up with the, the pie bet? Because the FF pie bet is legendary. Uh, I knew about it before I knew about Bo, and I followed you before I knew me and Bo were even friends. So how did that come about? Um, yeah, it was kind of a, a brainstorming idea. Me, Justin Fensterman, and, uh, and Jim Bowden. And Fensty and Bowden were arguing back and forth about the Lakers. Um, and I guess the, the bet that they were wanted to throw down was that the Lakers wouldn't win uh, the, the Western Conference Finals one year. Or maybe it was that they wouldn't make the Western Conference Finals. Whatever it was, we were trying to figure out what they should kind of, you know, what they should bet. And we came up with the whole, you know, you know it was, what's funnier than watching somebody get hit in the face with a pie? Um, what's funnier than watching Jim Bowden, right? Jim Bowden, you know, we're talking about the, the GM of the Reds, the GM of, uh, of, of the Nationals, right? And, you know, he's on MLB Network TV and ESPN and CBS, and he's all, what would be better than having seeing him take a pie to the face? So that's kind of, that's, that's how it, it, it originated. And then as we're sitting there talking about it, we're like, we should totally incorporate this into – you know, like a like a like a weekly bet for us, and 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 do that. So we we did that for the first, I guess, for the first week, and you know, every, it was it was pretty well received. Everybody enjoyed it, but we were kind of sitting back there, and and we said to you know, I, I think I I turned to to Jim, and I'm like, you know, all it's going to take is that one person, that one tweet that's like. Mm-hmm. You're wasting food, <laughs> right? So like, we, I knew we needed like a like a preemptive strike there. So I was like, so I, I was talking to uh, one of the, you know one of my my partners over at Fantasy Alarm and suggested that you know FA donate for every pie taken. And here's what we do, and we start putting this out to the public. And so that's basically that's what it was. The four we would we would choose our wide receivers. And then you would pick your own wide receiver. You couldn't pick the same one. Uh, it was, you know, it had to go against one of ours. But if you, all you needed to do was beat one of us. But if you lost to all of us, 
Mm-hmm. Um, then you had to take a pie. You had to post it on social media, and Fantasy Alarm would donate to the children's fund uh, to get that to happen. So um, even when we did get the wasting food tweet from somebody, we are you know we were like, oh well, you must you know if you don't like this, then you just must hate charity. And well, I like to follow who they follow and then block them too. You know, so. <laughs> like completely cut ties. Like, get out of here. You're done. <laughs> oh, I, I his family, that. his dogs, his cats, dead. Everyone just gone. <laughs> I mean, think about it though. Like the, the, the best part about it. And we did the, uh, we did the compilation. I don't even know if the site is still active. FFPiebet.com. But we put together just a compilation of the videos. And I mean, you know, as Bo said, his daughter, just, you know, the giggles afterwards, listening to wives just tackle while they're filming and hitting their husbands in the face for, with with a pie. I mean, some people went like, you know, balls out with like a like a full on pie. And some people did like the whipped cream and the in the tin pan, whatever it was. Everybody loved doing it. It was hysterical. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, it was a, it was a huge hit and, and I love it. Everybody asks when we're bringing it back. I, I, you know, I'm always, I'm always about the, the next gag. And, you know, while we were sitting there brainstorming, trying to think of what we were going to do, then we got hit with the pandemic and I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, well now we can't even like, you know, be in the same room as each other. So how's anybody going to pie anybody anyway? And so we just kind of backed off for 2020 figured everything out there we're thinking of a we're, we're throwing down a, a couple of ideas right now um as we gear up for fantasy football season we're all doing best ball drafts now so we're getting the itch and we're trying to figure out what's going to be uh what's the trigger what's the hook oh man i did miserably in the in the fa best ball leagues last year so i'm kind of afraid to get invited <laughs> this year it was i just i was so bad because i had i had saquon barkley in just about every one of them it was just done i was like oh this is great <laughs> this is great. And of course, it's embarrassing because they're like, oh, these are the guys that are from Fancy Alarm that reached out to me and said, oh, Bo, we like you. Let's, let's invite you into the best ball draft. Little did they know that they're just taking my money. That's pretty good. But well, <laughs> you would cry about it to me, too. He'd always be like, oh, Howard doesn't think I'm smart. Ah! So, you know, I had to hear that uh, all the time. All the other times, Bo's kicking my ass and taking my money. And so it's like the one area where he'd be like, I'm actually losing in this one best ball league. I was like, oh, my God, bro. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, is that, you know, you, you lose because of Saquon Barkley. You took the cover boy of the Fantasy Alarm Draft Guide, which, I mean, I don't want to say it's like the Madden jinx, but Fernando Tatis this year, huh? Guess what? He got hurt with the shoulder. Saquon Bark, uh, I think it was Michael Thomas this past season, and he was he was atrocious. And it was Barkley the year before that. I think we had Juan Soto, and he missed a bunch of time also. Uh, so I, I kind of feel like there's a you know we we wouldn't blame you completely, Bo, for uh, for taking our guy. But now you know never to draft the same guy who's on the cover of our uh, our draft guide. <laughs> Yeah, attention, Sam, Sam Darnold's not on there, is he? Sam Darnold's not going to be racing. I, I see Jordan over there. Joel. <laughs> I, I'm looking at this and I'm like, please just don't put Christian McCaffrey. I, I don't. I don't need that. I don't need that at all. Don't crash. Don't don't uh, crash that. Well, I mean, maybe 
he was thought about last year. Maybe Howard was going back and forth between him and Michael Thomas, and maybe it was just down to the two of them, and they both got the chance. I mean, <laughs> right, because I was putting all that energy thinking about right. McCaffrey. I, I love that when people say stuff like that, like, well, no, they always win when I leave the room. And then whenever I leave the room, like, yeah, you're a dumbass. Keep leaving the room. <laughs> well, it definitely won't be Darnold because I'm actually uh, – I think I have Darnold in every best ball draft I've done so far as, like, my second QB. I, I think he's going – I think the Jets made a huge mistake. I really do. I think that he was, you know, I mean <laughs> – you have no idea, Jordan. You have no idea, man. I am. I was like devastated. I, I was like, you can build up this team, build it around Darnold, build it around a guy. If you're going to groom a guy, you got a guy who's got a couple of years' experience, right? He knows the NFL game. He's got the skill set. He just hasn't had a coach. I mean, Adam Gase. You can't. You can't yeah. blame somebody just, for just for having Gase as a coach. Brian Tannehill, once he got away from Gase, went from bad to good. And Sam Darnold's very capable of doing the exact same thing and then some with the Joe Brady effect. So it's not like Tannehill went from Gase to Brady. He went from Gase to who who is it now? It's like uh went from to Smith, but now now there's a new coordinator in town. And so like just getting away from Gase is enough to go from bad to good. Imagine what it could be from Gase to Joe Brady. That's insane to me with all those weapons in Carolina. And yeah. I hate to say it, but I have speaking of charity. I made a bet with G Man J uh, for charity. Um, who is going to average the most fantasy points per game between Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz? And if I win, if I because I pick Sam Darnold, um, he has to donate to the Alzheimer's Association. And if if he wins, if Carson Wentz ends up with more fantasy points per game than Sam Darnold, I'm going to donate to Carson Wentz's charity. And so it's a win 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 win. But I'm thinking about all these pros in the column for Sam Darnold and thinking about like even if he has like that Jameis Winston type season where we see his ceiling and he still has the turnovers um that's that's going to be enough yeah I mean as a as a Panthers fan we we gave up a second and a fourth and then in this draft Scott Fritterer made up all that draft capital and some by just getting guys that fall fell like Terrace Marshall who's going to help in the red zone Tommy Tremble, who's going to help with those like swing passes, McCaffrey lead blocker. And I mean, we're going to give Sam Darnold the position to thrive. And that's, you know, week one, we give him the, the, the jets, which is uh, like, I'm a Panthers fan. So I'm excited about the matchup. I know Salah is a guy that's a great DC, but I mean, I'll, I'll take the, let's give Zach Wilson's very first game. And, oh, don't worry. We, See, I kind of see this game going like this. This is pretty much the description that I have, which, which, which exactly would. would come on, man! Come on! I mean, getting trolled by SpongeBob memes. That's yeah, right. And then, come on. And then after the game, Welcome don't worry. Oh. <laughs> this is they're gonna make up for it. Slaw is gonna take care of Wilson. And then, you know, lastly, Wilson's going to get prepped up, ready for next week, and star in his next show because it's mighty important for Sam Darnold. But realistically, how do you expect that game to go and kind of the season for the Jets? I know it seems like you're down because of the Darnold trade, but I personally like the coaching move you guys have because he's a guy that you can, like, believe in. And I know Wilson isn't 
the guy that necessarily a lot of people are believing in, but I think he brings a spark to a team that just hasn't had one in a long time. And you're completely right. Yeah, I mean that. Yeah, that's that's really what what Salah is all about. He's a motivational coach, but he's also a guy who you know can get down and dirty with his players, and he's he's an authority figure there also. You know, it's like you know Herm Edwards was always like a rah rah. He was like you know the players' coach kind of guy, but he was a he was a a cheerleader. At least Salah, I think Salah's got uh, tremendous knowledge. I'm a big fan of Salah. Listen, I think that the Jets are in the right direction right now. I might not have liked the 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 Zach Wilson choice or going with, you know, or getting rid of Darnold. But I mean, I, I think they did some some good things. They had a plan for the draft and they actually executed it. Um, not fully to my liking, but I knew they were taking um Zach Wilson. I loved the trade up for uh Vera Tucker. I love I the trade up for thing. him. I gave them an A plus first round grade because of that trade. Because Elijah Vera Tucker as a run blocker is elite. He's yeah. going to open up so many lanes to bring them balance. And even if they don't have the most talented running backs, they won't need it because those lanes are going to be humongous on the left side behind AVT and big, gigantic, athletic Makai Becton, who's absolutely – he's terrifying. Like, the guy is probably the softest, most gentle person on earth, and he is terrifying to look at. But he also yeah, – yeah, but when you're when you're carrying that much weight on the field also – you tend to wear down a little bit easier. How many? You know, we saw Becton leave the game a couple of times. Uh, you know, a little banged up. Listen, I, I think it's. I think it's great. I, I, I think the problem for the Jets during the uh, during the draft was not having that third round pick, because yeah. when they didn't have that third round pick, um, they had to make a. De- they, they basically had to make a decision with their second round pick. I wanted them to go Javante Williams. I thought that kid out of out of North Carolina was going to be amazing, like amazing. I think he's got all the skills to to do it, and I can't wait till Melvin Gordon pusses out of like one game so that Williams can, <laughs> you know, take it the entire way. He's going to take his job in camp. It's going to. I wanted. So apparent. Yeah, I wanted. I wanted. Um, I wanted Javante Williams. Uh, with that second pick, they took Elijah Moore. Now, when you look at not having that third rounder in the fourth round, yeah, you, you took Michael Carter, and because and and you looked at the wide receivers who were available at that point. I mean, maybe Amon Ross St. Brown would have been a, an intriguing option. I think Amari Rogers might have. No, I think Rogers went in the third. Yeah. But there, so there wasn't. They they made that decision. They were like. We're not going to have anybody of Elijah Moore's talent level there, but we can get a, ro- a, a running back to rotate in and get a decent pass catcher in Michael Carter. And so they take care of all of that, and then boom, everything else. We got to patch up this secondary so teams stop throwing on us. And I think that was it was the right move for the Jets. So I mean, they're they're moving in the right direction. Uh, mm-hmm. Whether or not they actually, you know, put it together, they're not going to put it together this year. Like, you know, no. I'll see some improvement, but if you know, if they have another good, strong draft uh, next season, um, then yeah, I think that they, uh, they 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 suddenly become possibly relevant. See, I'm a huge Joe Douglas guy. Joe Douglas is a GM that I followed from just the way that he is, and then bringing in that Lafleur and Shanahan disciples huge for that offense because it's like. I know Javante Williams would have been the guy that, like, workhorse, like, let's get him the touches. 
But I think from a standpoint of like, okay, when's this? When are we going to be really relevant? And if you're giving Javante Williams those type of touches for three straight years, they kind of wear down a little bit easier. Well, if you, you know, next year you have the draft capital of picking up that extra first um, from the Jamal Adams trade and the running back class next year, in my opinion, is pretty stout from a depth perspective. Reese Hall is a guy that I think would fit the zone running scheme just tremendously. <laughs> and, um, and it's just, I, I think the Jets were not wanting to pay at running back. I think Douglas is the guy that's like, nope, we're going to go running back by committee. And Tevin Coleman is a piece that's like, okay, like he'll give you two to three runs in the year. We're like, that's exciting. That's fun. But like, you know, health wise won't stay there. And then I, I think that Jamison Crowder will be the guy that will be interesting this offseason because I think the team I would love to see him go to is the Chiefs. And you guys figure out a trade with them because of the uh, situation where the Chiefs are going after guys like Juju and some of the bigger name guys that play the slot. And I think Crowder would just fit well there. He would dominate. <laughs> I think, yeah, I yeah, think he would. Another one that got away. I mean, Crowder's much more talented than people give him credit for. Every time he's had any kind of run where he's had a, a, like a six or seven game stretch of health, which has been fleeting for him, even Sam Darnold's been finding him like peppering with targets because the guy's always open. And you say, oh, yeah, he pigeonholed Jamison Crowder into the slot, but he's got a nose for the end zone. I mean, he's faster than people give him credit for. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. He's just a technician out there. And if the Jets let him go because he's going to get priced out of their market next year, um, it's that's surprising. But you also have a long line of talent behind him. So he is expendable next season, in my opinion, where they're saying, hey, we'd love you, but when do I spend 10, 11, 12 million dollars for you when you're at the at that kind of that breaking age for a wide receiver? We have a, a lot of up and coming talent that needs to be culture that cultivated and they really need to address that defense even more because yeah. it's uh, it's uh, talent wise it's still probably the worst unit on the in the league as far as like <laughs> overall development of talent. Hey, come on. And so let's see if well let's see how how good of a coach Sala is because when the Niners last year got just destroyed by injuries on both sides of the ball, Sala held it together. They they held strong with a bunch of no names in the secondary yeah. against really good passing offenses. And it it still came down to X's and O's where if he if his guys were ready, it didn't matter if they got called off the street the day before, at least making plays. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited for Bryce Hall to be healthy and have that new scheme with them because I was a corner out of Virginia that I was very excited about before the foot injury and falling in the draft. And then Quinnen Williams as an Alabama fan, I'm excited to see him get a coach like Salah who's just going to make him that pass rusher we saw at Bama and put him in a position where – kind of be like DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead and somewhere in that range of just pure talent and actually getting used the right way. A couple of Oregon legends over there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a question, Howard. How is New York going to deal with uh, Zach Wilson's mother? I'm not sure. <laughs> I've got a whiff of her. I, I'm disappointed. I'm, I just went to Instagram and she has gone private. And I cannot. I have to request to follow her now because uh, I've been. I went through some of her videos. Man, why she, wouldn't she say yes to you though? Why uh, wouldn't she say? She's yes? a loose. She's a loose cannon. Uh, <laughs> Howard, how's New York going to deal with you know the Disney boy that that Jordan put up there? 
with this Karen. cougar mom, you know, cougar it's Karen mom. Karen. It's Karen. It's I, I think it's I think it's Lisa, but whatever. Uh, how how's that going to turn out for for the whole thing with New York? Um, I don't know. I mean, there's a reason that she obviously went private now, which means that uh, not only did her son, but his agent uh, also went to her and said, "Knock this crap out." Um, or go private. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to spew all of this. Go ahead, you do that, but you're not going to ruin this for the franchise. You're not going to ruin this for the son. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, if you, your son's here to make millions of dollars and be the the savior of New York football, um, he can't do that with some, you know, moronic mother who's going to, you know, try and ride her son's coattails while spewing you know, basic hate and stupidity at everybody. So, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll keep under wraps. I mean, she'll, you know, the thing is like, it'll, it'll be funny that I'm sure that, you know, she'll probably be like at his first game. Right. You, you kind of think that that's the case. Um, how much of a mandate there will be to not focus the camera in on, on her, <laughs> or whatever stupid thing that she's going to do or say, right. but you know, I mean, Listen, I'm born and raised in New York City, right? We'll put her in her fucking place. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was supposed to say. Oh, <laughs> first one. That's no. I thought I was going to be the first one. Whoever had Howard hey. in the pool was is a big winner. That's your ticket to the foul yeah, mouth bender guy. To finish up before we head to commercial, um, you you better you better believe that the CBS coverage is going to have plenty of cutaways to to Mrs. Wilson because yeah. uh, she's she's must see TV. And uh, whether you like her or not, she's absolutely bonkers, but the cameras love her. And yeah, she's going to get plenty of run on the national TV games. Yeah, and hiding the week one scoreboard is probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, the, uh, her, her last video that I saw that was, that was up there was from the draft weekend where the family was all in the minivan driving the however many hours to uh, the draft. And uh, they're in there like, Mom, stop it. And he looked like he was like 10 years old. Like, literally, it was just like, you're embarrassing me, Mom. You're like, oh, my gosh. And uh, the dad's just like, oh, what's up, man? You know, I'm like, oh, my, this is this is going to be a show. And now the tickets are, are like pay-per-view. So, all right, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, speaking of not pay-per-view, uh, commercials, uh, we're going to go to commercial. We'll be back in about three minutes. Uh, and uh, we're going to jump into a little DFS when we get back. Uh don't know uh, Howard Bender loves DFS. He's he's really good at DFS. I was told to say uh, he's better uh, than Jeff Manns, just so that I can get in trouble when we come back. So I, I can't wait for that. We're gonna unpack that. But I think Bo, did you write that in there? I mean, I, I mean, I'm just trying to follow the show. Next question. So Next question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not to get fined. Is that is that where we're at? So I'm just right. about that action boss. Just about that action boss. All right, we'll be back, guys. About three minutes. All right, we'll be back. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Actually, we'll be interviewing as a team. Now back to Chalk Block with Bo and Scott. Oh, you're welcoming back, Bo. You're stealing my welcome back. Okay. I, <laughs> I see how it is. I, I, well, listen, uh, I'm excited to talk DFS. I mean, this show is predicated around DFS, the idea of 
of blocking the chalk or chalk blocked. Uh, It's a euphemism for getting nitty gritty down and dirty into the the slate each week. And we're with one of the best here. So, uh, you know, Howard, I want to kind of know and unpack a little bit. How did you get into DFS? And, um, you know, what are some of the specific strategies that you like to roll out each week when you go to make your builds and and look for your your tournaments or your plays that you want to make? Well, I mean, I, I to be perfectly honest, I was old school regular fantasy, head-to-head football, roto baseball, and uh, you know, and I wasn't in that first movement of DFS. You know, I was, I was, you know, still doing seasonal stuff there and um, and covering the seasonal aspect. So when it kind of, you know, when it started to blow up, I was, you know, Jeff Manns and I were working together over at Fantasy Alarm. And so he was leading the the, the DFS charge. And I was, you know, just hanging out on the uh, on the seasonal side. Yeah. I, I got into it and played it because it was my job to do it. You know, I mean, we knew DFS was, uh, was, was going to get big. And, you know, we saw DraftKings and FanDuel running around, uh, you know, every website, like a drunk sailor on leave with like a blank checkbook, right? Oh, you know, man. it was crazy. So... You know, I mean, so that's kind of how it was. Now, um, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a huge DFS fan. I think that a lot of what we're seeing right now is, you know, skewed towards the the, the players who, you know, have the big bankrolls, who do the mass, you know, the mass mega multi entries um, and play it that way. And they kind of play it like the stock market with their their lineup generators and all the algorithms and all the other stuff like that. Me, I do everything – by hand, I sit there and I look at the matchups from a football standpoint, as opposed to uh, you know a DFS, you know, sort of like a, from a fantasy standpoint first, and then I start looking at the pricing and I start looking at at certain things like that. Um, I prefer yeah, NFL DFS to any other DFS. Like baseball is, is I mean, baseball you're you're talking about a, a, a game where a thirty percent success rate uh, is you know really special at this point at the plate. So, you know, anything can happen with that, you know, football, it's about, you know, it's about matchups and it's about schemes. And, and I think that it's easier to identify certain situations where, you know, where, where a guy like, um, what was it? Not last year, the year before, I think it was, I just kept pegging uh, uh, Kendrick Bourne uh, in San Francisco with all of these, you know, with the touchdown catch or, you know, some of the, you know, just like the super value plays there. Um, and then I also, I, I guess I, uh, a couple of years ago, um, I was, I was Don the tight end whisperer. So what, but what happened for that one, it was really funny was I was, uh, I was in on Austin Hooper uh, in his first year with the Falcons. And I was like, Oh, you know, the way they have their scheme set up and you know, how they used to cater to Tony Gonzalez and how they they've needed that pass catching tight end. Um, and then, uh, so I was like, you know, I was in on Austin Hooper in week one and he ended up with like, there was a, a big busted coverage play and he went for like some odd yard touchdown. It was like, it, it was ridiculous. It was, it was, it was, you know, a fluke play because of busted coverage, but because I was so in on him for the season long, I put him in for that first week of DFS as well. And it hit. And then the second week he just had a terrible matchup. I was like, no, nah, I'm off of him now. And I'm. I can't remember who I turned on to there, but that person went for like 80 yards and a touchdown uh, the following week. And all of a sudden I was like the tight end whisperer 
where I was like picking guys, you know, and if there wasn't a guy to, to grab, I was like, oh, well, you got to go with the Tyler Higby special, right? Min Price, eight yards, one touchdown, but a boom, but a bing. <laughs> You're super psyched about it. So that's kind of what happened. And then pegging the tight ends and really going cheaper with that, which enabled me to get more playful with the uh, with the other positions, kind of got me better and better at NFL DFS. And, you know, listen, you know, I heard what you know, say that about about Mans. Mans and I are we're actually good friends. If you catch actually the the new uh, episode of Getting Buzzed uh, on uh, Fantasy Alarms YouTube page, um, I have a good one on one sit down with Mans and just uh, you know his origin story plus you know a bunch of other stuff that uh, that we were we've been talking about. Jeff is one of the, like one of the premier analysts of football. Like I mean, that dude is is so good. Like really good because he understands the schemes and he understands the uh you know th- concepts like zone blocking that a lot of people you know a lot of casual fantasy people don't know so you know he taught me how he looks at the game in relation to fantasy and dfs i picked up that along with you know other research and stuff that i do and it's like um you know it's like a coaching trade you know yeah. one guy passes on the knowledge and that guy takes some of his added knowledge to it and I pass it down to somebody else. No, I love it. It's the game within the game is what you're kind of describing there with the zone blocking scheme, how how different defenses are, are designed to stop outside zone running. And, uh, you know, I, I watched a great podcast from one of my guys over at Guilty is Charged, and they talked about how uh, you get way more success running outside the tackles than you do inside the tackles just in general. And so if you if you understand those types of matchups, you get the certain kind of, uh, you know, zone schemes go up against certain defenses. Well, you can play certain players each week where the matchup is going to be beneficial. And like you said, too, you're looking for that value play in other positions so you can target your skill position, wide receiver, running back, particularly. Uh, um, Bose is over there nodding his head. Bo, ju- jump in here. By save me, I'm drowning here. All three of us, Howard, are the same kind of players where we hand-build our lineups, and we, we like to do that tangible football analysis where we like the X's and O's. We like watching tape. We like breaking it down on more of a – a football level rather than straight analytics and statistics and mathematics, um, which is why we needed Jordan because he's the same hand built kind of guy, but he's also the kind of uh, guy who can build a spreadsheet without even blinking. Um, and that's uh, it's it's good to feed off different strategies. Um, depending on the week, you you might you might not have that good feel for um, how things are going to go. But for, for me, it's, it's the same kind of thing where I'm, I'm more of a football guy and I like, to, I like to watch tape. I like to break down player movement. I like to watch uh, what positions they play, what kind of coordinator te- uh, tendencies are there and where they put different players. And so it's, I mean, my, my claim to success is mostly in cash games where I just try to figure out who's going to get the damn ball the most. And yeah. if you know who's going to get the volume, you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to outscore half the field and double your money. And so, I mean, I'm getting better with GPPs because I'm not the I'm not the riskiest type of DFS player, but um, I'm I'm putting more and more bankroll as I as I get better at it towards the GPPs because everybody wants that big splash. Everybody <laughs> wants to say, hey, you know what? I, I had struck lightning in a bottle, and and it was it was humongous. Like instead of going two to one, you're getting five, six, seven, or a hundred to one of your of your investment if you really hit it. 
and uh, these two above me have had those experiences a lot more often than me, and so it's uh, it's it's getting a little bit tiresome where I can win 15 straight weeks in a cash game, and they'll they'll win the same amount of money in one week. <laughs> See, I though see you got to teach me the cash because I'm strictly more GPP than cash. I uh, see you, you mentioned about um, multiple entries and the awesomeos of entering 150 into the Millie Maker and 150 into this and maxing it out. I've been more playing the the last year they had a hundred dollar single entry and then a one fifty three entry max after I got a good bankroll to play it and like I look at the year for the NFL as what it is. Last year was a you basically play the big three at tight end or you punt it <laughs> just yeah. because all the Hunter Henrys you talk about a tight end whisper like my I mix numbers with film and it's something that I remember watching the Jets Dolphins game and watching all three tight ends basically be open <laughs> from the Dolphins side of things, where you had Jacecki had a huge game, uh, Smithley caught a touchdown, their third string tight end caught a touchdown, and then the week that uh, I had the most success, um, Darren Waller versus the Jets, I was able to lock him in in all my lineups for that week. And uh, he came in at 8% or 10% ownership. And I was looking, I was like, there's no, because Kelsey wasn't on the slate either. I was like, what a, wait, what? And um, I mean, obviously he had one of the best tight end games ever and it lucked out for me, but um, it's, I mix X's and O's because on my like sheet that I build, I use a Z score, which just represents how much better than the average you are. Right. And I projected Waller for 27 and the next tight end was 12. And I'm like, I'm getting 15 points here. I'm going to take him every day of the week against the Jets, and that's that's where my success comes in. And if people want to get into DFS, I recommend single entries. The $12 single entry is a nice, easy contest. It's your best versus theirs or cash, and I recommend Bo for <laughs> for that one. <laughs> yeah, I was I was doing a bunch of them like that also, and they will playing on FanDuel, playing like the small sweep and the you know, and then the small hot route. So that I'm only going up against, you know, like a hundred people. I'm mm-hmm. putting in, you know, it's a fifty dollar entry or a twenty five dollar entry, and you know, you're winning two grand if if you win the, the tournament. I mean, that, I'll take that return any day. I'll take a yeah, couple right, of those over like sitting there chasing, you know, a, a bunch of others on DraftKings. There was, was like a hundred dollar touchdown uh, one that they had, and that was like, you know, again, it was like two hundred and some odd people in it. And, uh, you know, that's that's what I, I look for, too. I'm a, I agree with you. Like, I love the cash games like Bo, and I just use that to build my bankroll. But I will always, I'll, you know, I'll play, you know, I'll play a bunch of money on, on cash games and just, you know, double that. And then I'll take, you know, money and I'll put it into like two or three high cost, low field GPPs for single entry. And, and you know, you hit a bunch of weeks. And uh, and it works out beautifully. You get your whole season taken care of. Yeah, my, my season was taken care of because of college football, <laughs> which was a fun DFS game. Matt Gajewski over at Awesome helped me out teaching me that. And, like, another thing for me is just following multiple people. Like, it's not about one person that you get your advice from. There's so many people in this industry that have so many plays. And, honestly, you'll find out that a lot of them line up. And when that's the case – yeah. Usually we're right. <laughs> like usually if seven people say Austin Hooper week one against the Browns, it probably will lead to some success for one of us. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and you know what? That's exactly right. And when I hit my ca- my payday, uh, I I didn't come up with all of the the players. I actually listened to different analysts, and I got a player from like each podcast I listened to. So if I go into it, listen to five or six podcasts each week, which I normally do, I listen to the Fantasy Points podcast every week. Uh, you know, I like to listen to uh, Pete Davidson's podcast for for DFS. Awesome, a bunch of them. I just want to get one player from the hour I'm listening to, just one guy that I can put in a lineup. Uh, and and you know, for me, it was the tight end whisperer uh, was Pete Davidson. He said, uh, you know, play. Jordan Reed, week two against the Jets. I, there's a theme here. Sorry, Howard. I, I did not know you were a Jets guy. No, I, listen, I'm not a vindictive kind of guy to troll anybody. I've never done. But it was just something that was a good play, and I saw that. He caught two touchdowns in that game. Uh, and then Higby, I believe, was going against Philly, and I also picked Higby up for myself. I got Higby myself, and he had three <laughs> touchdowns. And uh, I remember to this day, Bo said, you shouldn't play Higby. And I was like, oh, you son of a gun. And I, I went against Bo. So that, that, that is a tricky, the tight end, either it is all or nothing. And I think, Jordan, I might be wrong, but w- was Waller 6,300 that week that he went off against the Jets? I, I feel like 61. I feel like people, because he was the, the highest price, they were like, oh, no, that's just too much. Uh, just, and, and you don't understand the value <laughs> of the best and being that priced down to Kelsey, not being yeah. on the plate. So I think that was all year. So all year. One was a steal. Of course. Yeah. So I think people really need to understand pricing. And that's something that I looked at last year. Every week I wrote a column for the uh, uh, over uh, at uh, fancysixpack.net for Joe Bond and those guys. And what it was is we just looked at the up and down movement of player prices that were relevant to, you know, Aaron Rodgers, your, your Deshaun Watsons, your, you know, Patrick Mahomes each week, they're going up and down every week they're changing. And so we looked at the big swings, you know, up a thousand, down a thousand, what, what values are they traps? Are they, are they actually good plays? And so I think, you know, what Howard's really getting at Bo and, and Jordan are all tying together is the, 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 the micro and the macro need to match up. You need to see the big picture of the game flow, how it's going to go. And then you need to analyze the players within that game and kind of, fortune tell how they're going to be able to exploit matchups and and uh, use those the schemes that we've talked about earlier so it's complicated but i think if you get in the groove of understanding and you really do tuck into all those different parts of it uh you can win like howard said you can build a bankroll and be successful so uh hopefully this year all of us will win money for other people for ourselves and and get the community just cashing in that's that's the whole goal of of chalk block is to have others win around us as well not just us you know uh ourselves though we, we would like to win though <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie yeah, yeah it's, and it, it's fun. But it's okay i think we're our, it's a challenge every week because it's it's always a new slate you're like it's the etch it's the etch sketch are you losing me yeah i'm like oh, we're, getting, we're getting in and out <laughs> you're, you're looking down mouth's not moving and you're talking and it's, it's we hear like a like a faint whisper <laughs> but i mean no dfs is it's it's fun it's a it's a good thing and like if you're not someone who really wants to go dive into the scheme and stuff like that just read one of our one of the articles that one of us will put out there and just I mean, hey, if we're telling you play Michael Carter week one against the Panthers because blah, 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 we've been historically awful against the run, just go play Michael Carter. He's most likely going to be like 4K on draft games. 400, right. Just yeah. cheap as shit. Oh, oh, oh. oh I, I see. You're the second. Wow. This is. Right, Howard, I love it, man. Yeah. But speaking of Michael Carter and also, you know, 
I heard you were you were a bartender previously. I, mu I must ask you, what do you plan on drinking after week one? And more so, what is your favorite bartending story? Oh, man. I mean, favorite bartending story? <laughs> I really are. I mean, because, you know, it comes in like different different ranges there. There was a um, – so I was working at a, at a place in New York City uh, called Heartland Brewery in Midtown. It was right over by Radio City Music Hall. And when Radio City would have the concerts, we would just – I mean, it would just – we would get flooded in there with, you know, all-time – whatever and uh and there was one night where it was uh the the indigo girls were playing and we were mobbed mobbed and these two women come in and they are they're both probably like six feet they are dressed to the nines in stetson hats and they are drop dead gorgeous they're drop dead gorgeous. Now, this also keep in mind that as I tell this story, I'm about a hundred, hundred and twenty pounds lighter than I am right now. <laughs> like, and then quarantine hit, and I got fat. So, I was actually I was a, a better looking gentleman back then when I was younger, and I was uh, was and uh, and this uh, the, one of them just you know every, all guys are just hitting on them. They're telling me to buy them drinks, all that. So like these girls are, are obvious pros. They know exactly what's going on. And uh, and you know by the end of the whole thing, and everybody's going out to the concert. Uh, they come over to me. One you know one of them like you know she's like leaning in the bar, and I'm like you know I'm gonna lean in. I'm definitely. <laughs> And she comes in and she grabs me by the face and she just starts making out with me. Um, and as that happens, the girl she's with starts making out with me too. And it was like, it was, I mean, it was hysterical to see because <laughs> I apparently, oh when it happened, turned so beat red that people couldn't figure out if I was embarrassed or if I was having a heart attack at that point. <laughs> so... I mean, that was a, I mean, it was, it was a, f a funny story. I had a better time as a bar. Like, I mean, uh, you know, I have better stories as a bar manager than I do as a, uh, as the bartender. Cause the bartender, you're still, you're still behind the bar and you're, you're doing your thing. But um, I'll tell you what, I, I can tell you as a bar manager, um, I worked a Saturday night live after party and, uh, and I was walking around the restaurant and just, you know, to like make sure everything was good. And I go downstairs Bye, Bo. <laughs> I had internet in California. <laughs> I'm in California, just a couple hours away. Anyway, so then you guys get this story then. Um, and so I go downstairs and I see this like big dude, like you know, trying to. He's like over by one of the doors. He's so someone who shouldn't be where he is. And I smell weed, and that's it. Like I'm not going to go and drink anything afterwards. I'm going to go and like smoke a big fat bowl after this is done. <laughs> I'm going to like veg out and shove Ben and Jerry's down my face the entire time. Um, but so I go there and I'm like, hmm, it smells, a little, it smells a little like weed. And, uh, and, and I'm like, you know, can I help you? And who turns around? Dan Aykroyd. Oh, oh my. <laughs> could you help him? Or I look at him and I'm like, Dan, are you puffing down here? And he's like, no, 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 no. I went, Dan, <laughs> up and down here, and he goes, "Well, no, I'm not, but 
if you can find me a place, and he pulls out this like Cheech and Chong st- size like spliff. Right? <laughs> oh my god! I was like, all right, I'll tell you what. Uh, I was like, let me go upstairs. Let me tell the other guy to uh, the other manager to kind of watch everything going on here. You just come to the office and you know whatever. He's like, oh, can I go grab a couple of friends then? I was like, of course you can. <laughs> so I basically sat there for. I don't know, about an hour and a half of the night instead of like watching what was going on. I sat down in the office with Dan Aykroyd and a couple of his buddies uh, from Toronto. And we uh, we hung out and told stories and uh, smoked for a, a, a ton of time. And by the end of it, he's like, you know, gives me his, his like private number. He's like, my assistant will always answer it. If you, if you ever need anything, if you ever near a house of blues and you just want to go in, he's like, just call up and, and she'll take care of you. Oh, wow. That's oh an amazing God. story. Bo, you, you fell out, and Howard told the most incredible story. What what did you come in on? I came in on Dan Aykroyd right after he was making out two chicks at the bar. So that was, it was, yeah. it, like, without <laughs> missing, with completely missing the meat of the story. The meat of the story is he was making out with Dan Aykroyd, and it was amazing because <laughs> – um, and then he was an extra in the movie Coneheads as a result. <laughs> of course, right. Now, I, that, that's a, that's an awesome story. Here's my bartender story. I'll give you this one. Uh, I had a party come in one time, and I was a bartender. It's a long day. I, I had the previous night, I had decided to go out to Baltimore and uh, drink so much. And it was like five bucks, you know, all you could drink or something, you know, get a wristband, go into the power plant up there. And uh, they couldn't say no to you. You had the wristband on in there, right? They said no to me. And so I was like, well, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. So I went and I reached back behind the bar and I grabbed one of the liquor things that was on the rail. And I just went out to the dance floor, took a little top off, and and my buddy just started drinking it and dancing around. They were like, sir, sir, you can leave. And so I was escorted out. All I know is at 530, uh, my cab brought me back to where I lived. And I had to wait for the police so that they could break into my car for me to get my wallet because I left it in the car. And uh, I wasn't driving or anything like that. But then I had to go to work at 10 a.m. And so at the end of that day, 25 party comes in. I go, I can't do individual checks. You got to put it all together at the end. They go, no worries, no worries, no worries. End of the night, they go, we're going to do 25 individual checks. And uh, I think two days later, I said, I quit. I'm never working uh, this job again. And it was just, it was crazy. So uh, your story, way better than mine. Mine drove me out of the industry. Yours uh, kept you in it, I'm sure, for a little bit longer. And, uh, you know, you have, like, the best story ever. So, um, no, I, that's awesome. Uh, Bo, did, did you want to talk about your your uh, your big-time flavorco.com again? Because I know that you you look, you know, flavorific right now. Yeah, I'm tasty, you know. I'm the I'm the flavor emperor. I started a flavor empire doesn't mean I'm the emperor. That just doesn't, doesn't compute in my brain. But... If you go to bigtimeflavorco.com and throw a bunch of stuff in, throw a bunch of flavor in your cart and then enter the promo code CHOCK21, 10% off. That's bigtimeflavorco.com. Yeah, baby. I love it. Okay, so Howard, real quick, uh, any controversial food takes that we, we need to know about or are you, you, you kind of batting regular here? I mean, I, for the most part, I'll bat regular here, but I mean, I, I you know, I, I don't eat any seafood. Like I just, I'm, I'm allergic to shellfish, so I just stay away from that. Um, I am pro pineapple on pizza. Okay. Oh no, he's yeah, never on the show again. Never coming on the show again. Banished. <laughs> I am pizza. Life. Dude, he, he made him with Ben Akron. How could he? How could you not have him on the show again? Yeah, Ben Affleck, did you say? 
That, that sounds like <laughs> Ben Affleck dazed and confused Ben Affleck or Ben Affleck like Batman, Batman. He's, he's oh, saying Batman, Martha Batman. and <laughs> where's Batman. Martha and just scared. Practicing your Batman voice. Oh, just get God. me under that oh. cowl, please. I am Batman. <laughs> I'll be right back. I need to make out with Howard Bender. <laughs> I'm. I need oh, his DFS advice. I, I have no controversial food cakes, Bo. Um, I, I have, I have uh, you don't like sour cream, which is a little weird. It's here's the thing about it. I love cream based things. I'm not against cream. It's the smell of it that just kind of makes me go. I don't want like the sour oh. smell makes it just turns me off. I can't help it. You know, oh, it so you would have hated the pie bet then, because if you got hit in the face with a pie, like you were smelling like sour, like sour it, yeah. cream. If sweet cream doesn't yeah. last. Oh, if, if he was, had like I, I remember back in 2019, Howard had a big old beard, and he was he's he complained about the smell of rancid milk the whole time. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's that like fermented smell that I hate. I hate the oh, ferment yeah. of of yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we, we lost Howard. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. So, Bo, I want to pitch it to you on this last one because you're you're the baseball buff that wants to get me going with baseball again. So knock this one out of the park, Bo. So I want Howard to sell you the 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 unfathomable not a baseball fan guy. I want Howard to sell you on baseball with one sentence. Just make make Scott fall in love with the game again, like we do. Like it's it, it's run through my veins. So I want I want I want Scott to feel the same way about the the pastime that I do. Well, you know, I mean, sometimes, Bo, you got to figure that it's a, I mean, it's a pretty cerebral game. And I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. you know, I see you, where you're going with this one. I see where you're going with this one. No, no, no. Um, you know what? In all honesty, listen, I just, I just love, if you love the game of baseball, you love the game of baseball. It's, it's, you know, you've got that, 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 you know, the, the pitcher versus batter, you've got the managerial decisions, the little, you know, the intricacies of the game, the different nuances of it strategy wise. And it's, it's really, enter, you know, if you like that kind of thing, then, then you're going to do it. But, uh, you know, like I said earlier in the game, uh, you know, until MLB, like, you know, that Trevor Bauer versus Fernando Tatis uh, battle that they had going back and forth was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. Yeah. It was like, you know, that's both the friends at the end. Yeah, that's the stuff that you need to hype. You need to hype that guys are like talking crap about each other and and doing fun stuff like that. And you know, and it's not about you know drilling a guy in the ribs uh, because you know he flips the bat. And and this generation of ball players that we're seeing right now are of that mindset. And MLB needs to embrace Trevor Bauer and and his feud with a bunch of different guys like Hosmer and Tatis. And they just they they refuse to do it. So. Yeah. You're gonna continuously lose, you know, the the excitement of the fans like that, and and it's a it's a it's a problem. It really is. So, um, I mean, you know, if you uh, if if you like the the cerebral aspect of it and the and those like nuances of the game and the strategy, well, then it's really interesting to you. But everybody wants to be hyped up about something. Get you know, get me excited about it. You can't really get somebody excited about. Oh well, I mean, he go to a lefty right now, and then all of a sudden he like turns around and he like you know throws into the pinch. Like I mean, that's like not going to get people pumped up about it. But you know, yeah, I'm all psyched up. Another call to the bullpen. I'm already good. I'm ready to go. <laughs> so, 
how about my first place, San Francisco Giants, right now? The uh, unwritten <laughs> rules of baseball are ruining baseball. That's, I, that's very well for, said. Fernando Tatis yes. hitting a grand slam on a what is it a three zero yeah. count where the guy threw it right down the middle and then people booing and like oh you're gonna get hit next time it's like don't throw a meatball <laughs> like, I'm sorry I'm gonna hit a home run right, right. <laughs> and and the way that I see it is I would love baseball if I had the time to love baseball it just takes an investment like I can't half ass a sport and like like a little bit and watch a little bit I have to kind of go all in and so I was a a baseball player as a kid before I ever played football. I love football the most. I played the most baseball, though. Uh, you know, probably 10 years of my life playing baseball. So I do love it. I, I have a problem with the unwritten rules, and I'll state this. I'm writing a piece about it that's, you know, it's like a long form, so it's not like a short little article. But the, the gist of it is I grew up, and I got hit by the ball, and it was not intentional. It was accidental. Uh, I would hit home runs off people. People would hit off of people. Things would happen. And everybody, that they, they, you learned how to be a man or a girl, a woman at the, at the time, some girls played too. You, you, you learned how to build that fortitude by taking the hit and going to your base. If someone got hurt or whatever it is, you, you were sympathetic. You, you, you did not taunt. Now, I'm a, I, we're in the major leagues, so bat flipping is a little bit different. But I feel like as a kid, I, I kind of got taught how to be tough under pressure when you, when you go through strikeouts when you go through you're out when you disagree with things it, it kind of helped you be mature and now on the on the other side when you get to the older side they're telling me that grown men can't not run in from the bullpen which is like a thousand yards out and mlb just can't go cool <laughs> if you run in from the bullpen you're suspended 10 games and then no one's gonna run in for the bullpen like it's just an automatic hockey did it it stopped people from doing it it seems simple to me and so i'll, I'll watch baseball i will but i won't love it until that attitude, uh, and I want robotic umpires. I'm tired of Joe West and the strike zone is here one day and it's down here one day and it's outside. I, 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 we, we know what things are now. We have you know pylon cams and and I'm waiting for them to put a microchip in the football so they can just know where it is exactly on the field all the time. Like I, I, that's where my stance. But I do appreciate it. And um, I think I, the umpires would get a lot better if you just got rid of Angel Hernandez. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm one. <laughs> Yeah. Here. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but both saying a Norkai, uh, Norkai, NorCal uh, league with a live draft. I'm going to let the NorCal people, you know, talk amongst themselves in in the uh, in the DMs. Yeah, I am twelve. <laughs> no, that was Scott hitting home runs in his in his baseball. Oh, I love it. It's actually, like three years ago is what that, what we really met. Yeah, like Danny yeah. Almonte. <laughs> <laughs> That guy has a mustache. <laughs> He's still like 5'2", though. It's kind of weird. <laughs> the Jose Otuve picture the other day was absolutely hilarious. Oh, my God. He's in the locker room. And it's like... <laughs> yeah, I, was... I, did the, I did the he didn't want his jersey ripped off on that walk-off off Chapman because <laughs> under his jersey was another nesting doll that's even smaller. <laughs> On, on that note, we have to get out of here. Uh, I do love it. Thank you, Howard, very much for coming on. Uh, at RotoBuzzGuy on Twitter. Check him out. Check out Fantasy Alarm. And uh, check out Week 1. Think about Howard and pray for him and the Jets. As you know, he's being trolled by Jordan. I will not troll you, Jordan, uh, 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 Howard, I promise, at all. Uh, Bo, what do you want to say to Howard? <laughs> I want you to get a chance to say goodbye, uh, too. I think the Jets are going to pull the upset. Oh, oh, I like it. I like it. Excellent. Very, very <laughs> nice. Well, for for Jordan, for everybody here at Shock Block, 
Uh, Bo, who's our next guest next week? Do we do we do we know? Do, do you have do you have somebody coming on? on? I think it's Derek Brown. Oh, Big D Brown. I love it. I actually D was Bo. in a draft with him today. So yeah. we we're we we're all in draft too. <laughs> Yeah. We were, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of underdog, folks, go check out underdog. We're addicted, <laughs> apparently, to playing on underdog, which is a great thing to be addicted to. I love it. I put money in it every week. That's what I do. Um, Pete Oberset says he's the deposit king. He's not on underdog. That's me. I'm the deposit king on underdog. He can be the deposit king on DraftKings. Sorry, Pete. I got this market cornered. Code Nimble uh, over there, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you all for checking us out. We're on. I know this, right? We're on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.